This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We'll be looking at Joshua chapter 12 in just a little bit. And as you see from your paper, today's valley is the Valley of Jabbok. Valley of Jabbok. <clears throat> Not only the valley, but as you see in the second picture, the water, that, the brook, the stream that uh, runs through there uh, comes into uh, in the Bible as well. And um, Jabbok River. We want to kind of give you the uh, geographic parts of the valley at first, and then we'll get to the spiritual lesson side of the valley of Jabbok. The meaning of this valley is a pouring out or a wrestling. A pouring out or a wrestling. And that means that uh, pouring out of oneself, emptying oneself of things that are in their life, and of course the wrestling you see at the second picture there at the bottom of that, this is actually the place near Peniel where Jacob wrestled with God. We certainly wrestle even today with God. We, we do that in our thoughts of our decisions, what we decide to do, choices we make. We don't always make the right choices, do we? But we need to uh, get together with God more often, find out what He has for our life, what direction we should be taking and going. So this is kind of a good way to look at that when we get down to that just a little bit later. One of the rivers or streams that pour through this valley is on the east side of Jordan. And it falls midway between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. It's about 45 miles below the Sea of Galilee, south of Peniel. It rises on the east side of the mountains of Gilead. And that's important, that word Gilead, or town or place of Gilead. We'll talk about that as well. And it runs in a course about 65 miles in a deep ravine. It's a boundary marker. Many times I, as I study these valleys, and Danny will tell, probably show you the same thing when he gets to study on mountains. Mountains, valleys, streams, rivers, they mark the boundaries many times of who was in this particular territory. So when you read that the Philistines were in this area, the Amorites or Pezites or Hittites or Pezrasites or whoever occupied an area, they would have a boundary and that boundary marker would probably be a valley onto a mountain or onto the next valley or a river from river or by, you know, different areas. So that's how many of the boundaries were marked there. This particular area is the boundary of the territory of the Ammonites and the king of Og of Bashan. So I like always, as I'm 
told you uh, in studying this, we've been studying the valleys, as I like to show you the place in the, in the scriptures that we see these, the, uh, the valley or the river in this particular case as well. So Joshua chapter 12, and we'll, some of these names I'm sure I don't pronounce correctly, but we'll do our very best. Joshua chapter 12, verse number 1. Now these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote and possessed their land on the other side of Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon and all the plain on the east. So we find the children of Israel took care of all of these enemies and people. They smote all of them along the way and the boundaries included from the river Arnon all the way to Mount Hermon and then all the plain on the east. And we find that in this particular area here, Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Hishbon and ruled with Ariar, which are upon the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of the river and from half of Gilead, even unto the river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Ammon. So we find that the river Jabbok marked this particular border here for the children of Ammon. And from the plain to the Sea of Chinnereth on the east, unto the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea on the east, the way of Bethjeshmoth from south under Ashtapiskah, and the coast of Og, king of Bashan, which is, was the remnant, remnant of the giants that dwelt at Ashtroth and Edria, and reigned in Mount Hermon, and Salakai, and all of Bashan, unto the border of the Gisharites and Makratites, half Gilead, the border of Shahan, king of Hishbon. So we see in that verse number two, it is the river of Jabbok named in this particular area. And it once again gives you all these boundaries and who reigned in those particular areas. So uh, when you look at the course westward across the plains, uh, it passes this particular river even passes at some points underground. So you'd have the river kind of flowing along and then all of a sudden it'd, it'd fall like underground for ways and then resurface back up in another area. So it's very uh, interesting how that works out. And of course, beautiful scenery along the way of this particular uh, valley. And we find that it's um, real, you can really picture it in Palestine. So. The surrounding mountainside is very interesting there. Now, the river itself uh, is now called, and many times when you would see some of these names back in the Old Testament, and then later on through the years, sometimes they'd rename certain things and certain rivers, and they renamed this Zerka, and they did that because of the, of the look of it from the distance when you would come upon it. They would, that means a blue river. And when the rains would come and really flood that valley, then that, that river would really be a raging river for some, at some point. 
and at a distance when you'd see it, it would look like a gray-blue type of color that you would see there. And uh, that's what Jabok would look like looking at that valley as you come up upon it from a distance. So that's why they, they renamed that. And as you look at that first picture of that valley there, you can see how the, the mountains form the steep sides that come up there upon that. And the steep sides, a lot of times that's why they would pick that as a boundary. It would make a, a natural boundary uh, for them. And, and so that, that's why it would, would do that. And so uh, the Ammonites, the Amorites, they would occupy this particular area and it would flow down towards Gilead. And we mentioned some of the things there uh, about Gilead, the king there. And uh, he was a remnant of the giants that were there in that land. And we talked about the giants there. You remember when they uh, went into Canaan, they came back and said, the spies came back and said, we're like grasshoppers because of the people there. They're giants, they're huge. And we're, we're very small in comparison to their sight. So uh, we, we run across that, and uh, Pastor brought out a good study on a couple of Wednesday nights about, about the giants and, and uh, how they came to be and, and so forth. So that's a whole other lesson that he taught, and that was, that was a good lesson there. But I do want to mention Gilead because I find some of the things that happened there very important. <clears throat> and very interesting and uh, in how it happened. And we, we don't have time to go back and look at all the scriptures about it and read all of those in the, in the lesson today. But the mention of Jabesh Gilead uh, was in the days of when Israel had judges. You know, they came to a point when, where God appointed judges there. They, they had prophets, they had judges, they even had kings. And it was a progression of things that, that God set up for them. In fact, God really didn't want to, to have a king for them, but they saw other nations and said, hey, we want somebody we can see. We know that God's our king, but we want to be able to look at somebody. We want to be able to have somebody that we can call our king. And they, you know, God granted that and, and, and they did that. So it's, it's in this area of time here uh, that were that they uh, that things begin to happen, but in these days of judges, in connection with uh, retribution dealt out to the neighboring tribe of Benjamin, they had gone into gross immorality, and on that occasion, when the Israelites came upon this particular situation, they almost exterminated the entire tribe of Benjamin. In fact, when you read in the Bible, only 600 males escaped from there. And so it was found that not, it wasn't a, that not a man from Jabesh Gilead was, was there that, that didn't have, wasn't affected by, by this punishment, except for these 600 males. And it was therefore determined that every man, woman, child of Jabesh Gilead, because of the gross immorality that was, was there, with exception of these virgins, they would all be put to death. 
Now, in order to keep the tribe of Benjamin, the 400 virgins were spared and they were given as wives to the fugitive Benjamites so that they could keep that tribe going. And so we found out that it went like three centuries later. The Philistines were once again fighting against the Israelites like they always did many times. And they defeated the Israelites at this particular point. And if you go back and study that interesting story of King Saul and his three sons, you know what happened. When they defeated the Israelites, they killed King Saul. His sons were killed. They decapitated their bodies. They hung them on the wall. So very disgrading as they could be, that's what they wanted to do. And so upon hearing about this disgrace and how they were killed and what they did, that here we find the men of Jabesh-Gilead decided we're going to do something about it. So they got together, made a plan, and during one night, they made a daring night raid in which they slipped in, got the corpses off of the wall, brought them back to Jabesh-Gilead, they burned their bodies, gave them a, a respectful burial of the bones, and then they fasted for seven days. Now, David, who as, as a newly appointed king of Judah, he sent the blessings to Jabesh. He heard what they had did, and he sent blessings to them and said, you know, in, in so many words, y'all did a great thing. Y'all did a wonderful thing because Saul was an anointed king. I'm getting ready to do that study on Wednesday night on lessons from the life of David. And I'll be mentioning about how David dealt with God's anointing. No matter, no matter though that they were, he, Saul was chasing him, Saul was after him, Saul even seemed like he wanted to kill David. David still said, that's God's anointing. And I'm going to respect that. And we find, we'll find out that David did respect that and continued to be reverence towards God's anointing. And here, he did the same thing. He heard about what had happened. He heard about their, their mission to go down and get them and get, get the bones. So David sent the blessings to them. And later on, David came and got the bones of Saul and Jonathan, brought them back to Jabesh-Gilead. Uh, from Jabesh Gilead and brought them back to Saul's family burial plot in the Benjamite territory. So he definitely wanted to make it right with what had happened there uh, in that particular area. <clears throat> now, as we look at this thing and think about the, the picture of that river flowing down through there, east of the Jordan, and it's mentioned in the scripture with reference of you'll find a, an interesting phrase that a lot of people probably just read it and pass over it and think, well, I don't know what that meant. But it's called the Ford of Jabbok. The Ford of Jabbok. And so we'll look at this. Let's go to Genesis 32 in your Bible. And we want to look at 
look at that. In fact, I want to look at a, little, a few. I had planned to go uh, to verse 22, but I like to go back up a little bit farther in that so that you get, uh, you know, exactly what is going on there. Because Jacob, of course, was afraid of Esau. He was fleeing from Esau. He didn't know, he thought that Esau was going to kill him. When David left that area and started to move down towards this Jabbok Valley here, before he even got even close to that, he had made a plan of what he wanted to do because when he left, he had a lot of flock. He had a lot of animals, maid servants, men servants. He had all these people traveling with him and all of these things. And so we find that uh, in verse number five, I, and I have oxen, asses, flocks, men servants, women servants, and I have to, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. Oh, he has all of these things in Genesis 32, verse 5. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to, to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee. And guess what he brought was bringing with him? <laughs> 400 men he was coming to bring with him. So that just made uh, Jacob start trembling and start worrying about his life. So we find that then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. So he said, half of you will be over here, half over here. Why did he do that? Well, he tells us that. And he said, if Esau come to one of the company and smite it, then the other company will be able to escape. So he's saying Esau's all tied up with this one side of me here, and he'll be all into that, and this other side will be able to go ahead and be delivered and, and escape. Jacob said, O oh God, my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord said unto me, Return into thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which I was showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Least he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and will make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. And he lodged there that same night, and took off of that which he had in his hand, a present for Esau his brother. So, I won't go into all of the, the things that he sent to him as presents, but he did all of that, and he figured that that would help appease Esau, and of course he would not continue to pursue him. Verse 20, let's go down to verse 20. And say ye more, behold thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face peradventure he will accept me. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. So he has come to the to the valley of Jabbok. He's come to the river there, and he's lodging there that night 
evening is falling, night's getting ready to fall. And so what did he do? It says, he took them and sent them over the brook and sent, uh, sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. So what did he do? He had, he had about 15 he sent over the brook because he had, had the men servants, the maid servants, and, and, all, and these that were with him. And he tells everybody, and that, and that ford of Jaybrook means a passing place. That's all that means. It's a good place to pass over this river or this brook. And so he finds a good place for all of them and sends them over on the other side. I'm sure they want, well, aren't you coming with me? But the thing was, Jacob knew he had to remain alone because he had to have some changes in his life. He had to have some things, some answers from God. He had to know what was going to happen from here. So we're finding out as he is doing that. And we'll go ahead and, and read the Scriptures and then come back and talk about it. So he rose up that night and took his two wives, two men, women servants, and 11 sons. So that's 11, 12, 13, 14, that's 15. And they passed over the ford, Jabbok. Passed over, they went over the passing place. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over the land. And Jacob was left alone. That's important to realize. There he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Well, where did this man come from? Where, where all of a sudden this is showing up? When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, notice this, except thou bless me. Jacob knew he needed something in his life. He needed, he needed to know what was happening. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall, no, shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. He had a name change. Look at that. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. He said, Wherefore it is that thou dost ask after my name. And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penel. For I have seen God face to face and, have, and my life is preserved. And then he passed over Penel. The sun rose upon him and he halted up his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew of the shank, shrank, for which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew of his shank. So what happened here at Jabbok with Jacob. Because this figuratively is Jacob, Jabbok is the place of total surrender. That's exactly what Jacob did. Jacob had had manipulative ways in his life, and he knew that this was a place where he was going to, he's ready to give all that up. How many of us try to manipulate God into things we want him to do in our life? 
What a great time right now as we start this year. I'm not a big fan of, of uh, making uh, promises that we're going to do in the, in the new year because we break those promises. But I say by, by the help of the Lord, I'll try to do much better, more for God, more with God than I did this past year. But Jacob came to a place of a divine encounter. He had a divine intervention. How many times have I used the phrase, and I've heard other people use the phrase this past year, boy, I don't, you know what happened? That was a God thing that happened. That means only that would have happened if God had intervened in my situation. And that's so true. There are things that I've seen this past year and I'm, in my life and my family's life that only God intervening, those things would have happened. And I'm thankful for that. And, I, and I'm looking forward to that this year. But I don't believe those things will happen if I don't stay close to God and walk with God like I should. Jabbok is the river that borders this land of Canaan, and I believe there's a Canaan for all of God's children. There's a new beginning for all of us. At Jabbok, listen, Jacob was wounded. Jacob was renamed Israel. Jacob was blessed. Did you see the blessing there? Jacob became a new person at this river of, or valley of Jabbok. Jabbok was a crossroad place for him. It was a place so he had to make a decision. What I'm going to do. You see, remember how he wrestled with God? And the angel said, let me go. He said, I will not. I made a decision. I, I'm going to hang on until you bless me. You know, why don't we decide this year we're going to just hang on to the horns of the altar and pray, pray, pray until we see that answer to prayer. We're not going to give up on God. And we find that this, this place where Jacob was going to cross over, it was going to begin a new life for him. It was a place where he would have to empty out on the other side that pride he had, self he had, he would have to come to a turning point here in his life. I'm sure when we read that scripture that says, and Jacob was alone. It, it was no light around. You remember, he sent him over there at the evening at the dark time. And I can imagine what it was like for him not to have any of his people around. They're all over on the other side. And there he is, all alone. Thinking, you know, boy, so now what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, we see him there with this man, this angel from God. And we see that he wrestled with him. So I believe that when we wrestle with things in our life, whether they're decisions that we make, or places that we go, or things that we say, and we decide, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God's help. I'm going to... I'm going to listen to the Lord. You know, whenever we open ourselves up to listening, there's always going to be other voices that are going to be coming our way too. And Satan knows when we make decisions that we want to listen to God and make decisions with God, he's going to be over here saying, you don't need to do that. Let's just keep it going the way you're doing. You're doing fine. 
Don't bother God with that. <laughs> and, and, and people listen to those things. And they make got to make those decisions. Important decisions. And you and I will have to make them this year as well. So, Jabbok is a place where Jacob is going to have to say goodbye to some of the things in the past. You know, we, we, we look at our new year and we often hear people, well, I'm, I'm not going to do any more of that this year. I'm making a new resolution. I'm going to go do this this year. This is going to be different. Uh, you know, what do they say? Most of the resolutions are gone by, by a couple of weeks, a month at the most. People make resolutions and, and they give and give up on it. The main thing is that we don't give up on God ever. So that's why I say I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of resolutions, but I am a big fan of saying let's make this year a better year by drawing closer to God and doing listening more to God. J Jacob, even though yes. Literally, it was the end of the chapter going into another chapter of Genesis 33. But as far as his life is concerned, it's the end of the chapter in his life. He's making a decision right here at this valley of Jabbok. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a different direction. So I think we need to think about, are we ready for an experience as we go into 2023? Of Jabbok, are we ready for that? Are we are we decided? Yes, I made up my mind. I'm going to do what God wants me to do this year, even more. And I believe, other than leading someone to Christ, that that would be the next thing in line to say, I'm going to draw closer to God this year. I'm going to listen to God more. I'm going to depend upon Him more and not everyone else and everything else around me. I'm not going to let those circumstances rule my life. So everyone, everything that Jacob had on one side of the Jabbok River was going to be left there, except he had sent his family over there, sent the 15 people over there, and now he's getting ready to cross over there, and he'll be a different person when he meets up with them. You know, that, that thought that he was alone, he was alone for a little while. Physically, but spiritually, God was there with him. You know, we, we may feel we are alone in some of our problems and circumstances and things that happen in our life. Maybe our family's not going the same direction we thinking. Maybe friends are not. But one thing about it, God is still with us in those alone times. And so, that brings me to the thought of this. Sometimes we need to be alone with God. And what do I mean by that? You see, I think, I think Jacob said, you know what, I, I, could, I could go through all of this with all of my family around, but I don't want any of those distractions. I don't want any of them talking to me, telling me I need to do this. I'm going to send them on over. And I'm going to wait right here and God's going to show up, and He did. And He didn't have any distractions. And I think that that's the key to you and I today. We need at some point in our life to get away from the busyness of all of the things that we got going on in life and spend some alone time with God. We have to do that. 
Sometimes we just got to take the plug out of the noise of the world. You know, everything in your house can be operating and going on and everything, but you go around and start pulling plugs out the wall, pretty soon nothing's going to work. It's going to be quiet because you've unplugged from what was going to make that noise happen, the power there. But unplug from that and plug into the power of God. Get alone time with Him and spend time in His presence. And I'll tell you what will happen. It'll, it'll rest your soul. It'll refresh your body and your spirit. That alone time with God gives us time to examine our life. It strengthens our relationship with Him. It's a time of refreshment, of renewal. That's what Jacob needed and that's what he got. Time alone with God will leave us energized. And we need to be energized for 2023. I don't know what we're going to face this coming year. But I guarantee you it's going to be a lot of ups and downs. It's going to be a lot of things. And we thought 2022 we faced a lot of things. I, I, I hate to think about what we may face in 2023. But I'm glad that God's still going to be there. He's still going to be able to get a hold to Him. And He's still going to hear and answer. And that alone time with God will help us prepare for whatever faces us in 2023. It gives us an opportunity to think about where we've been, think about what we've been through, and renew our strategies, be alone with God, express our deep concerns to Him. I think it's a time we can refocus on what's truly important. You know, I think sometimes... So much stuff is going on in our life that we lose the importance, the thought of what's really important. You think about this past year. What was important to you during 2022? What took a lot of your attention? What did you spend a lot of time doing, dwelling on, getting involved in? What were those things? And then, and then step back and say, how many of those things were really important in my life? Kind of like Danny's been talking about vanities, vexation of spirit. It, it, it's all going to go away. Most of those things that we put so much time and importance in not going to amount to anything in eternity. So let's step back and think in 2023, what's going to be important as far as eternity? Let me put my energy into those things. Let me focus in on those things. And God will help us do that if we spend some time alone and express our concerns with Him. It's definitely a good time to refocus on what's important. Now, alone time doesn't just come. Alone time, you know what? We got to make it. We got to make it happen. Because if the devil had his way, we'll never get any alone time with God. He'll keep us busy 24-7. He'll keep your mind occupied. He'll keep your life occupied. He'll keep everything going on and even use our family to do that. And they don't mean us harm, but these things are going on and they, they just can, if we listen and get involved constantly, the time with God will be gone. So we have to determine. I'm going to take 
I'm going to take some time with God. You know, there, there's been some, th- some times when I wanted to just sit down and study and read my Bible, and guess what? <laughs> Whenever I make the time and decision to do that, something's going to come up. Somebody's going to call me, want to talk, talk, talk. They need me over here. They need me over there. And I have found that I'm not, I don't want to be rude, but I say, listen, I'll talk to you later on. I'll get with you later on. Right now, I'm busy. And that's what I mean. We have to determine we're going to spend time alone with God in His presence. What did Jacob say? I'll not let you go until you bless me. He could have thrown his hands like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wrestle. I didn't mean to take your time. I didn't mean to, to wrestle with you. But no, he said, I, I'll, not, I'll not let you go. So having come into contact with God, Jacob became a changed man. And there's a point in each of our lives that we will we'll stop, we'll be wrestling with things in our life, We'll be resisting God's purpose and plan and will. If we don't watch out, we'll miss it because we're too busy involved in everything else. Jacob began the night. Remember at the beginning of that chapter? He was afraid of Esau. But he ended the night saying, you know what? God's blessed me. Give me a new name, a new blessing, and a new beginning. So Jacob will never forget the valley of, J- of Jabob. He'll never forget that area. Because as for you and me, it doesn't matter what we've done. God's the God of new beginnings, new blessings. Let's pray for that this year. Let's try to get alone with God and do more for God, with God, this year than we ever have before. Because folks, I believe He's coming back. I don't think it's going to be long. So let's do what we can while we can. Amen? Valley of Jabba. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.